Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. Hey folks, it's your rich uncle. Today we're going to be talking about the difference between a 15-year mortgage or a 30-year mortgage. I'm going to be kind of going through the differences in the way the wealthy do things and the way the poor do things. And I'll be kind of divulging the mistake that I made when I was starting out. Hint, hint, it was the way the poor did it. But we'll dive into it and here we go. Hey folks, on today's video, we're going to be talking about should I be doing a 15-year mortgage or a 30-year mortgage? What are the pros and cons of both? For those of you guys who've been listening to the channel here where I'm kind of your rich uncle who has a lot of money, supposedly, and I'm going to be teaching you some of the secrets of the wealthy that I've learned from other wealthy people. And what we've realized is it clashes with a lot what our parents taught us, what our peers are doing, and really what's in the mainstream financial dogma out there. Most financial advice is predicated and out for those, the masses. The masses are pretty bad with their money and can't save enough. And part of that is they just don't make enough money, probably, who knows. Whatever it is, you know, most of the folks here and the people I'm talking to are, you know, a lot of you guys are good with your money already. You have good paying jobs. Therefore, you fall on a different side of this paradigm. So before you guys click, you know, thumbs down or, you know, kind of put, give me a bunch of hate mail for my advice that's coming up, just know that this advice is for that very small minority of people out there, not the masses. But what's better? I mean, we'll kind of get into what I think of the pros and cons of both of these, but real quick, it's the 15 year mortgage or the shortest term. Just kidding. I'm just kidding a lot of you guys. 30-year mortgages are the better way to going if you are more of a sophisticated financial person out there. But let's talk about the first one. I think most people out there in the financial space will probably think that the 15-year mortgage is better. And the pros that they kind of talk about are less interest rate. You do get a lower interest rate um, because from the bank's perspective, it's a shorter term note and they will give you a lower interest rate. And also, there might be a little bit, it probably will be a higher monthly payment, but you're at the end of the loan, 15 years later, when you compare the amount of interest that you're going to pay against the 30-year mortgage, it's going to be a lot less. But that's not how wealthy people think, right? Wealthy people think in terms of cash flow and not in terms of interest rate or monthly payment. They're looking in terms of the bigger picture. If you can go in with a 30-year mortgage and drive your monthly payments down, you you can use that excess money to go invest it somewhere else. So who cares if you're paying 3% or 6%, which is the typical ranges for these types of mortgages. You know, that's again, that's where normal people are kind of freaking out about 1%, 2% delta here and there. Bigger picture, folks. You can invest your money maybe at 10, 15, 20, 30% in your own business, for example. And that is what we're trying to unlock. Again, if you're just like the masses out there, not able to get into deals or buy real estate properties or you know, in do your own business, sure, you're gonna be stuck in this world of under five, 10% potential gains. And therefore, it might make sense to go to the 15-year mortgage. But 
for a lot of you guys, you know, looking to get into hard assets, investments, the 30-year mortgage is definitely the better way of going. But let's, you know, let's kind of uncover all the stones first before we move on to the 30-year mortgage. The 15-year mortgage, bigger payments, but you're driving that principal down quicker over the term. In some cases, maybe you're kind of at the end of, you know, your lifespan. It might make sense in terms of planning. But for most of the folks listening here, again, you guys are in equity growth mode. You're in growth mode and you want to kind of grow your, grow your net worth. And that means putting your money not into paying down debt, which ultimately just kind of like sort of keeps pace with inflation. But you want to grow your money and put your dollars elsewhere. This is the same theory as why, you know, I'm big into putting the lease down for a car payment or a house. Whenever you can, you know, finance it and put your cash liquidity into investments. Now, moving over to the 30-year mortgage, kind of the opposites of what we're talking about, the 15, but maybe if I just explain it in a different way, you, you guys kind of will catch on to this, this whole different mindset. The 30-year mortgage is going to have a slightly higher interest rate. And again, People will freak out about that, right? People who are unsophisticated with money will just key in on the interest rate. When I started to invest, somebody told me, I don't know who it was, but today it's kind of like a a guiding light that I kind of go by. And they said, poor people, regular people out there, what they look at is two things, interest rate and their, their payment size. Wealthy people don't really look at that. Instead, they focus on the cash flow and their impact to their net worth. And we'll break that down. Impact to their net worth, again, that is taking this money that should be, instead of putting into your debt equity into your house, you're growing it and you're growing it elsewhere. And that's how your net worth increases over time. The second part of that is your cash flow. As we're buying these types of assets, we want to be going into situations, going into good debt where the cash flow pays for the asset, just in case there's some kind of hiccup in the economy where we can cover our debt service. Uh, For those of you guys who are keen on the term debt service coverage ratio, this is essentially, um, you know, what we're looking for, a good debt service coverage ratio so we can cover our debts. One might say, well, you know, the, the, the monthly payment on the 30-year mortgage is a lot less than the 15-year mortgage. And if you're kind of reading between the lines, this is exactly what the wealthy want, right? They want to drive those monthly payments down and so they can take that money elsewhere and invest in it or supplement another investment that might not be a strong cash flow, but maybe they would have saved $200 a month by going with the 30-year mortgage and the 15-year mortgage and taking that $200 a month of excess cash flow per month to kind of supplement, again, a more weaker cash flowing item that's a little thinner. But when you, you know, cash flow is cash flow. And I think too often, especially in the beginning with newer investors, you kind of look at things myopically, right? You buy a little rental property here and you want it to cash flow. And then you have, you kind of balance it with your HELOC or your, your cash out refinance on your house or your 15 or 30 year mortgage. And you're kind of looking at it myopically like that. But as your portfolio grows, what you need to be doing is looking at your whole portfolio and how it all cash flows together. I still think that every single piece of your portfolio should be cash flowing, but just a little insights in the future when your net worth goes over two, three, four, five million dollars plus, not all parts of your your portfolio is going to be cash flowing because they may be more more shots to the moon. 
things like developments where you can make much higher returns, but you just don't have the cash flow in the interim. You have to wait for those, you know, those eggs to kind of hatch into the future. Now, some of these have different risk reward profiles, but you know, on the on the whole scale, the big picture again, your portfolio needs to be cash flow positive. You know, we kind of talked about the two options, and we try and keep things simple when we're talking a lot about these new concepts for you guys, the 15 versus the 30-year mortgage. But in commercial real estate, there's all these different other types of lending options. Sometimes we'll go and get a loan where it is interest only for maybe two, four, five years, and we are not paying any of the principal down. And sometimes investors or people who are newer with finance might think that that's crazy, right? Why would you go into a real estate deal or, or any type of investment where you're not paying down the principal, therefore increasing the equity on that side? Well, it might be a different mechanism for increasing your net worth, which would be value adding or might be in a great area where you don't need to be making equity by paying down the note and it just makes more sense to take a lower rate. And this introduces a little more advanced concept that I'm not really going to be getting into today in terms of, you know, do you want the best price or do you want better terms? And, you know, for purposes of newer investors, whether you're picking the difference between the 15 or the 30 year mortgage, you know, it's kind of simple, right? It's, 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 it's two options. But when you start to expand things out into the future, you know, you start to get into this world of different terms. I was just working with a client um, the other day and what they were looking at, um, you know, they have a paid off house. And they need to get a bunch of equity out so they can start investing in it. And instead of going the normal route of a 15, 30 year mortgage, which is Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac government subsidized debt, we started to look at different uh, commercial options where it might be a 40 year term and an interest only for a long period, about 10 years. And for their purposes, this was a great option for them to draw out the equity and to grow it somewhere else. And, you know, most people, again, they might get a queasy feeling about this. And, you know, just stay, stick with me, if, you know, if this is kind of you for now. You know, we're all there. We all were taught to pay down debt, be good stewards. But that's not what governments do. That's not what businesses do, right? They are good stewards of debt where they can cash flow the, the loan. But they take as much liquidity and get it working. You look at your portfolio and you want to look for your debt equity, not doing anything. I'm not, I'm not going to claim to, you know, doing things perfect myself. You know, very early into my investing, I remember like three or four years in, I bought my first rental and then I was paying it down diligently. And I had this idea that I was going to eventually pay off all my rentals, which I think maybe you might have the same idea at some point. You get five or six rentals and then you pay them all off and you're financially free at that point because all those rental properties, other than the, the insurance, taxes, and other repairs and expenses, after you pay all that, it's all gravy because you have no debt service, you have no mortgage payment. But that takes a lot longer than kind of doing it the way we are doing it. Sure, you have to scale up, you have to have property managers or teams or go into larger deals, syndications to take care of the, the management headaches for you. But by paying down the properties or what they call the domino effect, where you take all the cash flow, pay it down, and then you take all the other cash flow from the other properties, pay it down, is it works. And which kind of shows that you can have a bad strategy and it still works in real estate, 
but it is not the optimal strategy in my opinion. And very early on, I had the idea that I would domino my money and pay down one property, and that's what I did. I even went from a 30-year mortgage down to a 15-year mortgage, which is the exact opposite of what I'm telling you is the right way to doing things. But I, the, my problem was like, you know, I think and analyze this stuff all day, and I still, and way back when I probably thought about it even more. But I just didn't have the people around me. I didn't have the high net worth, the credit investors to kind of show me the light and tell me, "No, dude, you're thinking about it all wrong. You don't want to pay down this mortgage because the mortgage is the most important part of this whole deal. But you're basically locking up good debt to pay it off in the future, 30 years, when the money isn't worth as much. Think about it like this." You know, we were driving through a very expensive part of Hawaii where the homes are all over a million dollars, and somebody mentioned that, you know, they their family bought one of these houses way back when for fifty thousand dollars, and they probably, you know, they probably didn't have fifty thousand dollars back then. It was probably a heck of a lot money for them as a million dollars is today, but they, if they were able to lock up that debt for thirty about fifty thousand dollars and then pay it in monthly payments, that locks them in. And maybe 30 years later, they're still paying that mortgage payment. And I don't know what a actually I kind of do know what a mortgage payment on a $50,000 property is. It's about 300 bucks. Right? 300 bucks is probably like less than a tenth what the mortgage payment on that. And that just shows you the power of inflation eroding your debt away. I and mean, this is exactly what governments and businesses do. They lock up today's dollars where. And pay it off into the future. Basically, in this case, you lock up a property for fifty thousand dollars thirty, forty years ago. You pay that three hundred dollar payment today, and now it's yours, paid off. Of course, you know we're advocating for the strategy of at some point, maybe five, ten years down into that payment schedule, you take that lazy equity out via HELOC, refinance, or sell the asset. That's another video for a different day. But you know, and we want to leverage that into more and more properties to kind of grow the portfolio and get more diversification that way. But you know, like I said, I was paying off my, this property. I was actually paying off a few of my properties until I had that epiphany. Again, I, I mentioned it earlier. Wealthy people don't really care about interest rate or the amount of debt they have or the payments. What they're really concerned about is how is their net worth growing over time. And when you have You know your your healthy leverage, and you're kind of paying down the properties only just as much as you need to, and putting the excess of cash and cash flow and liquidity into more properties. Your net worth is growing larger at that scale. Of course, be prudent. And the second piece of that that advice is make sure you have ample cash flow just in case something happens. So basically, go ham with you know buy more properties. But just be prudent, so you can cover the debt service coverage ratio on those types of investments. But, but that's about it, folks.、Um, if you guys like this and other kind of topics, put your comment into the comment box below. We'll try and get to it. Do a thumbs up if you got a little value add out of it. We really appreciate it. Share it with your friends, and we'll see you guys on the next video. Rich Uncle out. Lane is not a lawyer, CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties.
Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.